I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I am so thrilled to have my next guest here. We have Adam Lippin, who is the founder of Hear Me Cuddleist and Atomic Wings. But today, uh, we're going to talk about his journey. His third startup is Hear Me. And with it, he's on a mission to make mental health support accessible, affordable, and immediate. And Hear Me is an app that connects people to trained and caring volunteer listeners for a real-time chat. So like any great entrepreneur, many of whom we've had on this podcast, he saw the hole in the market, had an idea, decided he could help people, and so he created Hear Me. So Adam, as I mentioned, is not new to the startup world. He started Atomic Wings back in 1989. Hopefully I have that right. And uh, sold it in 2019. That sounds like an incredible, incredible journey that I can't wait to dig into. And his next startup 26, in 2016 was The Cuddlist, um, where it was an international cuddling service with over 3,000 trained cuddling practitioners who have completed, they have completed over 50,000 sessions. So can't wait to chat with Adam Moore and dig into all of his journey. So more than anything, understanding from buffalo wings to cuddles and now helping so many people deal with mental health. Uh, so welcome, Adam. Thank you so much. And and uh, I'm a big fan of yours and really delighted to be here today. Oh, thank you. Well, tell us more about young Adam. So did you think that you were going to be this serial entrepreneur? And what did you think you were going to be doing when you grew up? You know, it's funny because when I was growing up, and I had friends, I was like, okay, Harold's going to be a lawyer. Like Dan's going to go into advertising. You could just sort of like kind of know people's path by knowing them. And I was always sort of like, people describe me as like an enigma inside of a conch shell, like very hard to pin down. So I did know I wasn't going to have a traditional path. And I had an inkling that uh, I was going to be doing, I, 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 that I would be starting companies or doing things that I felt were important or interesting. That's awesome. And so what was your first job? Well, I mean, I had tons of jobs growing up, but my first real job out of college was I was a commercial real estate broker for a company called Newmark and Company in New York City. And my job was to canvas buildings. Like literally back in the day, you could there was no security. And I would try to find out when people's leases were up and do anything I could to get in the door and I would sell commercial real estate. So companies moving, that kind of thing. Interesting. In New York City? In New York City. So I did that for about two years. I learned a lot. My boss, Barry Golden, brilliant guy. And um, 
but I wasn't connected to it, right? It didn't feel mine. And, and I'll get into my backstory in a bit, but I'm gay. And I knew I was gay when I was young and I was incredibly uncomfortable with it. So I'm 21, I'm working in New York City and I was afraid to come out and I was afraid to tell anyone. Hmm. And New York commercial real estate at that time is, was fairly insular. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able or wanted to do like the, the country club and play golf and take people to, you know, I knew it wasn't my thing. And so while I learned a lot and I was actually very good at it and I made, you know, I did well, uh, I knew that it, at that time I felt like it, I couldn't stay there. Uh, I would peek out and, and it felt too uncomfortable sort of like being in that environment for me. So talk to me about Atomic Wings. How did this come about? So I went to school upstate New York and I, and I fell in love with chicken wings and I moved to New York city and I lived on 32nd street and second Avenue. So for anyone of you knows that area, especially it was, I, I kind of called it like the Cincinnati of Manhattan. There's nothing wrong with it. It's very nice, but like, it's not that exciting and people aren't like drawn to the neighborhood. And there was a pizza place called Aiello's on not, not far away. And it was always crowded and they sold chicken wings. And so it's like, and I went there because I like chicken wings, but I started to ask people like, you know, you look familiar, where are you from? And people were coming from the Upper West Side, from New Jersey. And I thought if this place selling these good chicken wings, but nothing outrageous could draw people in, I could really, you know, I could kill it. Um, so that's what sort of gave me the impetus. I was selling commercial real estate. Uh, and then when I would get home from work, I would... On the weekends, on Friday, I would like literally take a bus to Buffalo, New York, and I asked the cab driver, like, what's when I got off the bus, like, what the best wing places? And I would go to all these wing places. And I became friends with Dominic Bellissimo, who was the son of the founder of the Anchor Bar, which is like known for creating wings and duffs, uh, which is sort of more of the university. And I just sort of fell in love with it. And I decided I wanted to open up a, a chicken wing place in New York City and bring authentic Buffalo wings to Manhattan. This is so interesting. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. 
no English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. Interesting. So you're, you know, you said a few things there. So you're networking, obviously, you're trying to figure you're, you're like piecing a puzzle together. What did you need to really be maybe more knowledgeable, but also more confident that you could ultimately go and start a restaurant? Because obviously, New York City is probably one of the most competitive places, even in 1989, it was very yeah. competitive to start a restaurant, and you had never been in a restaurant. No, and I well, I worked at, you know as a kid in restaurants. Yeah. But one thing that you said in an interview that I read it was you know when you started uh, your water company, hint, 
there were all these big players. You didn't really know anything about it. And you decided just to go for it. And I look at like, I try to put things sort of like on these spiritual lines. And it's like Buddhists say, the Buddhists say beginner's mind, right? Mm -hmm. And my teacher from sixth grade said, ignorance is bliss, right? And there's something about not knowing that much because then you don't have as much fear and you trust yourself. So yeah, I just I just knew that if I brought great chicken wings to New York City, that was a passion of mine. And it was literally what I wanted to do. I wanted to have the best buffalo wings in New York City, bring the authentic, authentic experience to Manhattan. So what was the first thing that you did looking back beyond doing kind of the research and getting sort of your your recipe correct when you just did you literally go out and find the real estate and that you wanted to yeah, launch so it? I was looking for real estate on the Upper East Side at that time. Uh, it was like post collegiate pre yuppies, right? It was kids out of college that in 10 years are moving to, to Connecticut and starting families. And they all sort of lived there. That was a neighborhood at the time. And uh, so I was looking for real estate and I actually went into a bar to go to the bathroom and they had this kitchen and there were people eating chicken wings. And it was like happy hour, like free chicken wings. So I thought to myself, holy shit, this would be, excuse my language, this would be really cool. I should take over this kitchen. So I approached the bar owner and he said, no, thank you. And I just kept on going back. And he was like, why, you know, he said, he said, I'm having people come in and drink, you know, in eating wings. And at the time wings are not that expensive. And I was like, they're, they're drinking cheap beers and they're eating you dry. I can turn all of these people into you know, making money for you. Mm-hmm. And so I opened a kitchen and a bar on the Upper East Side and at the time, and then I went down to Bowery and I looked at kitchen equipment. People told me that I needed and I talked to the people in Buffalo and I used uh, the vendors that they used. And I'd wor- at that point, I'd worked in their kitchens on the weekends, probably, you know, 10 or 11 weekends, like, you know, chopping carrots and celery and frying up wings and really getting an understanding of it. So interesting. Well, and I always say, you know, things happen for a reason. So you look at your experience in commercial real estate, you knew a lot about real estate, right? You knew about neighborhoods, um, you know, you knew about licenses, all of those kind of things that I think are a little scary to people who have just never done something. But, you know, I think so often I I share this with entrepreneurs, you know, want to be entrepreneurs and college students all the time that you have to look at every piece along the way. And sometimes it takes you you know, later on to look back and say, why was I there? But obviously, yeah. to me, you sharing that story, that there was a reason why you were there and sort of understanding who you were and what you really wanted to ultimately do. So such an important and key point. So you're clearly an entrepreneur. And and what is it that you think makes great entrepreneurs in your mind? I think you have to be fearless. I, I, I think you have to, for me anyway, what what I have to do is I have to be able to visualize, visualize sort of the outcome, mm-hmm. right? Once I can visualize the outcome, I'm pretty good at taking the steps required to make that outcome happen. But I will never take on a project or a business if I don't actually see what the outcome can be. So um, I think that's important is to have some real clarity. And then I think you just have to not be afraid. Yeah. <laughs> You, you need to be smart and do your work, but you don't want to be too smart almost, right? Because then you can psych yourself out. I think that's that's important. I think most entrepreneurs too, that if you, maybe if you tell them, you know, are you okay with failing? Maybe 
that's not your first your first thing that you're thinking about. But if somebody said you had to start over again, it, you'd be okay with it, right? Like it's it, it it seems like it's it's like I have to give it a try. There's this mentality um, yeah. that exists in entrepreneurs that I think yeah. is and part of it is, you know, what sort of one of the things that fuels me is when people tell me that I can't do something, mm-hmm. right? So people told me, you can't have a restaurant that just sells chicken wings. I said, yes, I can. Not. I had all my relatives like, what are you doing? You know, like be a doctor, right? And then with Cuddlist, I had people telling me, you know, cuddling is a business and, you know, all sorts of stuff. And then with, you know, hear me hearing people talk about it's not therapy and sort of people bring their own conceptions into it. And I like to sort of like, yeah, I I kind of get uh, that brings me energy, right? Because I then want to like prove that I'm right or prove other people wrong. And maybe that's not the best motivation, but it works for me. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. That's true when your business is growing fast and even more true when there's a lot of uncertainty. Inflation is running rampant. Supply chains are clogged and the labor market is super tight. And what does that mean for margins? But not every business is in the dark. In 2022, profit is the new growth. And this year, there is no better time than now to get there and save time crunching those important numbers by using NetSuite. NetSuite by Oracle is the number one cloud financial system. No more manual processes, integration difficulties, and glitchy delays that leave you feeling frustrated and unable to manage your business the way you should. Everything you need, all in one place. Dreamy, huh? You can get the visibility you need to see everything. Finances, inventory, HR, direct-to-consumer, all of the information right there where you need to focus, and where you can save a little bit of money to. Too small to need a product like NetSuite? Probably not. You want to start early and get things set up the right way so that you and your business can focus on scaling. Since we made the switch years ago at the company I founded Hint, we've definitely had more visibility into key metrics of our business. And get this, over 31,000 businesses now know their numbers better because they use NetSuite by Oracle. Just what you need to hear. Know your numbers, know your business, and get to know how NetSuite can be the source of visibility that will help you get where you need to be. You need to check out this offer. Right now, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash Kara right now. That's netsuite.com slash Kara. Netsuite.com slash Kara. Before we get into your next company, Cuddleist, I, I just want to ask just a couple more quick questions. So you ended up taking your company, you had it private, right? For for a long time. And then you went to a franchise model. What do you think that like I just don't, that's the one thing that I just don't know that much about it. I've had a few people on here who have done franchises that actually dry bar. You and I were talking about Allie Webb before she ended up doing franchising with some of her dry bar locations as well. But what do you think people should know about franchising that they maybe they don't? So if you're going to franchise your business, make sure that you have a really good, solid business and make sure there's enough of a margin in that business 
to pay the franchisor the percentage yeah. that they get. And don't go into it lightly. Franchising is the most highly regulated industry there is. There's you you know get audited every year. You have to do this huge you know federal document. So make sure that it's not something you go into lightly. I think starting a venture you can have a little more fun with, right? But franchising is incredibly uh, detail oriented, and you you can't mess up because if you say something that's not true in a in a fran- if it's not in the, if it's you put something in the franchise circular or you tell someone something and it's not true, that's illegal. Yeah. So really make sure that you you understand what's that your your work, your business is going to shift pretty dramatically. That's wild. And were the franchises outside of the U.S. or only in the U.S.? We had some in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, I had, I had seven or eight locations in Manhattan, and then I started franchising them. And when I sold the company, there were 32 locations. And I have had a huge wholesale business. So I started out using Frank's Red Hot, right? And then after a while, I said, you know, I found a manufacturer and I had eight different sauces that I private labeled that were my sauces. And ultimately, we would help wholesale them. So, you know, major distributors would carry our sauces and you could be somewhere right now having like barbecue sauce or wing sauce. You know, they could be mine. So interesting. So let's talk about cuddling. And so where did this idea for Cuddleist come about? So I was 50 when I sold Atomic Wings and I had sucked to dry, right? I had spent so much time, energy, blood, sweat, and tears building that business, being a good franchisor, supporting my franchisees. And um, and it was great. My parallel life was yoga and meditation and teaching yoga and running meditation retreats and this whole other spiritual self. I went to India a bunch of times. I taught at Chiba Mukti in Om in New York City. And I was, and that was sort of like my avocation, which I loved and mm-hmm. uh, Atomic Wings was my vocation. And I decided it was really important for me to do something that aligned my values and sort of what I want to put out there in the world. I think with Atomic Wings, I've proven that I could start a company. When I started it, I was a fan of chicken wings. I wound up becoming a vegetarian. And so there was a little bit of a misalignment for me. And I knew I could take it as far as I could take it, not because I didn't have the skill sets, because I didn't have the passion anymore, Mm -hmm. right? So it was time for me to leave. And I wanted to make sure I do something that added some value in the world and connected sort of how I felt. And based on my personal experiences of feeling really lonely and disconnected, being a gay man, especially during the AIDS crisis, seeing an incredible amount of loneliness and disconnection and or sexually acting out in ways that wasn't filling people. It was actually making them feel worse. I wanted to create a safe way for people to touch and so they can be in a different space. So my original thought were specifically gay men that felt so lonely that that loneliness sort of calcified into their being or maybe men that acted out sexually so much that it was a habit and they didn't even like it, mm-hmm. that if they had safe touch and a healthy touch, that that could sort of take them to a different space and realization that something can be different. So that was sort of the, the meaning behind Cuddlist originally. And so you started it, your co-founder of Cuddlist. And what did you learn in that startup that you sort of didn't think about prior to starting? So owning a restaurant chain is very lonely uh, in the sense that it's very hierarchical. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm the smartest person in the room, but it's just, it's very hierarchical. And I wanted to, and I've done that. And I wanted to have a partner and I wanted to experience what it was like to run a company with someone. So I started looking into this sort of emerging field that didn't really exist. And uh, I wound up going to something called the Cuddle Party 
faculties of facilitation. I saw it like in June, July 4th weekend, I'm in Chicago on someone's floor, you know, learning how to run a cuddle party. And I met my business partner, Madeline, who at the time uh, was, you know, one of the heads of cuddle party. And she talked about empowerment and boundaries and consent and, and all of the stuff that I didn't know. I came at it from almost more of a spiritual sense. Like I want to connect people, have them feel something different. And she had the mechanics of how to actually do it, how to create a session, how to create safety, what the training could look like and how to build a community around that. So what I really learned uh, was the power of community. I learned how people who are passionate about something. Uh, what, so one thing I loved about Atomic Wings is that I gave, that I was, a, that I employed people and I was part of the, I helped the tax base and I helped make people, you know, feed their families. And I, and I like that whole part, making entrepreneurs into helping people become entrepreneurs. And if you look at sort of like the cuddling business or whatever, they're all these people and they're doulas and they're energy workers and they're empaths and they, you know, they're into all of these things, but they don't know how to make any money mm-hmm. in general, right? They have a different head. So to create an opportunity for people with this incredible understanding of the power of touch and presence and unconditional regard for people, et cetera, and allow them to, holy shit, I can make $80 or $100 an hour doing what for me comes so natural and I love and create a community around it. So I learned that, right? I I really, I I learned the power of community. And when someone is really aligned, mission aligned and value aligned, you can really take it somewhere. That's amazing. And so where is Cuddleist today? This is great. I mean, we're we're killing it. Uh, you know, COVID. Actually, during COVID, we switched to virtual sessions, which actually turned out to be quite powerful. And uh, now, you know, we're transitioning back, or really depending. You know, who knows at the minute, right? With COVID, but you know, it, it's alive and kicking, and we're training people. And um, yeah, so I mean, I'm sort of edging myself out because I've gotten a little bit too busy, but it's doing really good, and we. You know, we're referred by therapists and people who are who have had a lot of trauma, or maybe they're really obese or they're disabled and they don't get any real touch except clinical touch. It's been really gratifying. I love it. You know, it was it was interesting. I had an opportunity a few weeks ago to spend some time with Richard Branson, and it was uh, it, it was fascinating because one of the conversations that we got into was that I've always viewed him so much a part of brands that he's you know, everything Virgin sort of has his name on it. Yet I was surprised to learn that the only company that he's actually been the CEO of was um, Virgin Records. That was like the the one. And other than that, he takes a chairman role and then does what he really enjoys doing, which is kickstarting companies. And so sometimes he has the idea, sometimes he buys into the idea, but he's really there in the early moments. And then he brings in a CEO, he always still continues to have a say and weigh in on things, um, maybe not, you know, operating every single day. But it's fascinating to me now that I go and look at all the companies that he's built. And he's had some failures, uh, as he said, Virgin Cola. Um, So, you know, coming from the beverage industry, I mean, we sort of... uh, commiserated over that a little bit. So, but it's, uh, anyway, I think it's just, it's an interesting model. And I feel like that's, to some extent, you're doing that. Daniel Lebetsky from Kind Bar is doing a lot of that right now too. And uh, Seth Goldman, uh, who was originally on his tea and is now 
uh, doing some other incredible things. So anyway, I just think it's it's super, super yeah. fascinating. So now let's talk about your newest venture, which is so incredible, especially so timely for everything that people are talking about right now, especially trying to uh, kind of get back into normalcy uh, after a couple of years of COVID. So let's talk about Hear Me. Can you talk about loneliness and how that led to the to really starting Hear Me? So uh, according to our current Surgeon General, who is Surgeon General under Obama, stated that loneliness is the number one health crisis facing our country. It's worse than smoking 15 cigarettes a day and worse than obesity. And it is sort of a determinant of a lot of health issues, both mental health issues and physical issues. And it is um, very, very destructive. When I looked at my own life and I had this experience of myself in college, like living in a box within a box and feeling really closed off and really uh, afraid to be around people. And I took two directions. One was drugs and alcohol, which led to recovery, which led me to really understand the power of someone being there for someone else. And the other was yoga and meditation, which led me to really have a deep internal experience. But I found that I could hide in that meaning that it's very easy to sort of feel superior to other people because I can meditate, mm-hmm. you know, and and in both of those, in the drugs and alcohol and even the meditation, I wasn't making human connection. Therefore, it wasn't really healing. And I understood on an intuitive level, the only way to have a connection is to actually have a connection. I couldn't do downward dogs. I couldn't do drugs. I had to take a risk and actually be in connection with someone. And basically I didn't, I hadn't been, fully integrated and fully human, like literally for decades. And when, so the the sort of the business side of it is with Cuddless, people started to call up and they say, I don't have $80. I'm not near anyone. I just want to talk to someone. So I knew Cuddless was not going to be like the biggest scale of almost, you know, it's niche and it's a really important niche. Uh, but I, when I, that the light bulb went off and I was like, this is something that can really address loneliness at scale, I knew that all of us, are val- if we want to be there for somewhere else and we have a, a, a lived experience, that lived experience could be valuable. I knew, according to the government, that you would need four and a half million new therapists to begin to address the mental health crisis. I knew that was never going to happen. And if it could happen, there's access, affordability, and immediacy. I knew that only 3% of psychologists and therapists are black and mm-hmm. uh, forgetting about like rich people or people who can afford therapy it's and and the issues of identity and you know feeling safe and psychological safety and being able to share what you're going through uh, so i knew i could just put it all together it made logical sense based on my own experience as a young gay person just knowing there was i knew there was nothing inherently wrong with me mm-hmm. i knew i didn't need therapy even though i don't know how i would have asked my parents i need therapy because you know, uh, I knew I needed some other people to talk to that were gay, that I could just not have to code switch and I could be myself. And I also know that I'm not that unique. I know that like Buddha, Muhammad, Gandhi, these people had original thoughts, right? Most of us don't. So I knew that if I was feeling this way, other people are feeling that way as well. And so that's why I started hearing. So you mentioned listeners, like how do you find these listeners and, you know, train them as well to be able to do this? So there's two things. One thing that I learned from Cuddleist is the power of training and the power of building community, right? So there, there's a, I forget his name, but he started something called the Shanti Project, which was delivering uh, 
meals to homebound people with AIDS in San Francisco. And people would say, how do I do this? And it's not, he'd say, your desire to be here is more important than any training we're going to give you, right? You're stepping up to be at the store right now. So I knew there were people out there that wanted to be there. And we know, you know, active and reflective listening and empathetic listening is through peer support is evidence-based. It works. So we did a training program around that. And then floodgates opened up. So we've trained over about 35,000 volunteer listeners. We now have about 100 masters of social work students that help oversee our regular, you know, our our volunteers. And we have a social worker and a chief medical officer to make sure that, um, you know, everyone is being supported in the way that and they can support the people that are reaching out to them. We created a Hear Me uh, Certified Peer Support Training Academy for our enterprise clients. So we now have large nurse staffing agencies, and we are there to support their nurses. And we hire and train retired nurses and people who have been in the healthcare profession, because who knows more about what nurses are going through than people who have been there. They know what it's like being in the ICU at three in the morning after working a 12-hour shift. So we find people, uh, we train them up, we make, we offer a really rich and robust community, and I guess that's how we do it. I love it. So Everybody should download the app, uh, Hear Me, first of all, if you're listening to this right now. And uh, how do you monetize this business? So for two years, we didn't. uh, Totally free. And there will always be that free component, the Mm -hmm. concept of anyone, anytime, anywhere to get someone off their chest with someone who can be there to see them, to hear them, to validate them. Uh, We literally a month ago launched our enterprise app, which is a separate app, Hear Me Enterprise. You need a code to log in. And we have clients, companies uh, that have retained us to offer this experience to their employees. So for example, nurses, right? They're really stressed out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so on call 24 seven, we have a a nurse practitioner, retired nurse that's gone through our training to be there for uh, this nurse. So we're monetizing it that way. We're introducing our insurance product, uh, our voluntary benefit product will be in the marketplace you know, for this January 2023, um, we have a consumer premium product that we're launching with the universities. Uh, so that's how we're monetizing it. That's incredible. What is the the uh, largest demographic that you're serving for that app? I'm just curious. So for the the, the consumer, the free app, the app that everyone knows about now, uh, we're it's it's about 65% female to male or people who identify as female or identify as male. Uh, the age is, it's a pretty broad spectrum from 18 to 34, although we're starting to see people into their 50s. You know, the, the adoption has been on the increase uh, from that population. Most people choose, I just want to talk or no topic. Uh, the other big topics are relationships, LGBTQIA, all across the board. But the the concept, the original conceit was that people are lonely and they want to get something off their chest and they want to feel safe doing it. And the barrier to, you know, traditional clinical support is is too big of a barrier and it's not needed for most people. Yeah, no, that's so interesting. So I have a lot of people on my podcast talking about big things like starting companies or writing a book or starting a fund. But I think that what you've done is really kind of break down all kinds of barriers. And I think everybody 
who's listening to this thinks like Adam just snaps his finger and everything just, you know, it's just magic. Everything just turns into, you know, this wonderful, successful thing. But I'd love to hear a story where you faced a challenge in your career that you really thought, okay, we're done. I got a close-up shop. I can't get up. You're frozen. And then you do get back up. And and, uh, I'd love to just hear one of those stories. So I could tell you individual times where I thought that was going to happen. But as I was reflecting on this question the past couple hours, really the 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 problem or like the the big sort of issue that I faced, especially when I started Hear Me, right? If, if I'm going to start a company that's based on vulnerability, honesty, mm-hmm. and people being there for each other. And if you know, like if you're talking to a friend and they're withholding a bit, you know, and you can't be in connection unless there's honest connection, right? Otherwise, it's more of a transactional than, you know, a, a real conversation. So for me, I knew I couldn't start a company like that unless I was willing to be completely open, completely vulnerable, and completely myself. And I had compartmentalized my life with Atomic Wings. Some people knew I was gay. Most people didn't. With Cuddlist, it it started to really break that wall. Mm -hmm. But the world of consent and boundaries and, and emotional labor wasn't really my world. And so I bought into that world with through my partner and she sort of ran that. Um, but hear me is, is my legacy, right? It's like, you know, I'm in my mid fifties. I want, I'm sort of at that self-actualizing space and like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I wanted to really do something that could have a real positive effect. And I like making money as well. I'm not kidding myself here. Um, and I knew, I just knew I couldn't really do that compartmentalizing myself. It's one thing selling chicken wings. It's not, you know, but so for me, it was like, can I be this honest? Can I be in this vulnerable? Can I bring my whole self? Because everyone asks you, what's the origin story? And my origin story, you know, it's painful for me, right? And so every time someone asks a version of that question, I have to like take a deep breath, mm-hmm. say, okay, you signed up for this. You can't like hide, you can't pass. So I think that's been the real challenge for me. And I feel really proud that I, you know, feel pretty authentic and I live very honestly, but it's a process. So every day I sort of have to re-sign up for that. I can't hide anymore because of what I'm doing. I can't show up on this interview without being my whole self because then I can't really, I'd be selling the shareholders of, you know, I'd be selling everyone involved with Hear Me Out by not being fully real. So I had to really, and I kind of knew that. So for me, like, can I really sign up for this, right? Am I really ready to do this? And it took me, you know, in my mid-50s. It didn't happen overnight. Well, I think I was just reading an article. Brene Brown had said, you know, that she wished that more uh, founders, more CEOs, more people in general, humans, were more honest about sort of how they're feeling about things because oftentimes people look at those people as influencers, as, you know, people that are influential to them. And the more authentic, the more honest you can be, the better off I think everybody is. And I think, you know, you sharing your story and you telling us about, you know, your challenging times is is really helping, um, you know, lots of people. Uh, so thank you for doing that for sure. So last question, where's the best place to find you on social, Adam, you are so incredible. And where can we follow, uh, hear me and, and, uh, you know, see the progress that that company is making too. 
Thank you so much. So hearme.app is the website, Adam Lippin on LinkedIn um, and hearme.app on LinkedIn. I'm not really on Instagram, even though hearme has Instagram and a little bit on Twitter at Adam Lippin. But LinkedIn is probably the best place to connect with me if you'd like. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Adam. And thank you everyone for listening today. Uh, Definitely download the Hear Me app and share it with others too, who you think might find it useful. And thank you for downloading uh, the Kara Golden Show. Definitely subscribe uh, so that you don't miss out on incredible guests that we have, including Adam. And definitely give this episode a five-star rating if you would. It really helps in the algorithms. And find me on all social platforms at Kara Golden. And if you haven't already uh, picked up a copy of my book or downloaded it on Audible, it's called Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. And we are here Monday, Wednesday, and now Friday as well. Uh, This podcast is now the top 1% um, in entrepreneurial podcasts in the world. We're so thrilled that we've been able to get these stories from people and get it out there um, in every category, I should say. So thank you, everyone, for listening. And thanks again, Adam, and goodbye for now. Thank you so much. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.